0: Welcome to Love Uncensored, the modern guide to dating and relationships. I'm your host, Nicole Colantoni, a dating and relationship coach. And each week, along with special guests who aren't afraid to speak their minds, we challenge norms and expectations in love and relationships. From childhood trauma to sex, we explore the uncomfortable and unspoken, providing valuable insight and actionable advice for building healthier relationships. Join us for candid conversations about all things love, whether you're single in a relationship or somewhere in between. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Love Uncensored. You guys might have noticed that there was no episode last week. It was actually a conscious decision to not air the app as my nervous system majorly went into uh, overdrive with the news and events surrounding Israel and Palestine and because of this dysregulation i really struggled to sleep which then basically impacted every other aspect of my life and Ordinarily, I'd push through and air an episode, but this time I chose to honor my nervous system and instead take the time to rest, recover and repair, which if you know me is not exactly my strong point. It's also something that I've noticed a lot of my uh, clients struggle with and there's been a lot of talk and content recently around balancing and leaning into our masculine and feminine energies. And this is often referred to as yin and yang in various cultures, right? And many of my female clients in particular find themselves leaning heavily into their masculine, AKA yang energy. You know, the doing, the achieving, the pushing through. Whereas the feminine energy, which is yin, looks more like being present, understanding emotions or going with the flow and is more aligned with the being mode. And the reason I think that this is so important is because understanding and balancing these energies can significantly impact our nervous system as well as the quality of our romantic relationships. And this is because our nervous system is constantly gauging our external environment and internal states. So chronic leaning into the always on the go masculine energy can lead to a consistent state of what's called arousal, which is exactly what I've been experiencing these last two weeks. And this arousal can result in things like stress as well as trigger our fight or flight response and it can eventually wear out our system, leading to things like fatigue, burnout, and other health complications. On the flip side, though, an excessive lean into feminine energy without the balancing act of the masculine might lead to feelings of stagnation or indecisiveness and sometimes emotional overwhelm. And this is important because in relationships, constantly being in the doing mode can manifest as emotional unavailability or neglecting your emotional needs as well as your partners or even impatience, whereas over-reliance on the feminine can sometimes lead to being overly dependent or passive. But the problem is that for many, especially in today's urgency culture, I think leaning into the masculine has become a survival mechanism. And there's definitely a need and almost an expectation to tap into this energy in certain environments that celebrate assertiveness and achievements, right? But I've been noticing many couples struggle with balancing each of the energies in their relationships. For example, instances where they feel like the man in the relationship isn't embodying enough of his protective masculine energy or the woman isn't fully embracing her nurturing feminine energy. And there's been a lot of talk around these things, particularly as the lines become increasingly more blurred in modern dating culture around who pays for what and who takes care of the kids, et cetera, which is why this is literally... A topic on its own, but essentially, this balance or imbalance, I should say, might look like things like overcompensation, where the man in the relationship might feel the need to overcompensate by displaying overtly dominant or aggressive behaviors, or the woman might suppress her emotions or avoid being vulnerable altogether in order to appear strong or independent. Then I've noticed things like an avoidance of vulnerability altogether, where the woman who is heavily reliant on her masculine energy might avoid uh, showing vulnerability altogether, seeing it as a you know a sign of weakness. But then on the flip side, a man you know not rooted in his masculine might exhibit things like clingy behavior or show excessive dependence on his partner for emotional validation. And a man too in his masculine energy might find it challenging to express emotions in a healthy way because he might equate stoicism with masculinity. And I've noticed this lead to things like pent up feelings or emotional outbursts. And when either partner is too in their masculine or feminine, there might be you know, a power struggle with each partner trying to, I guess you could say one up the other. And I think it's important to point out that experiences from our past can deeply impact this balance. For instance, growing up with uh, neglectful parents or experiencing heartbreak Can push women to rely heavily on their masculine energy, right? Because it becomes a sort of protective mechanism. And the thinking behind it typically has to do with this idea that the best way to avoid getting hurt is by building emotional walls so high that no one can gain access to you or avoiding becoming overly dependent on anyone else so that they can't then, you know, disappoint you. Likewise, I've observed how growing up with uh, overprotective parents or experiencing rejection can push men to retreat deeply into their feminine energy. And this retreat can then cause feelings of inadequacy or a perception of not being man enough, especially when societal norms often equate masculinity with things like strength and assertiveness. And this is not to say that, independence or dependence is wrong. But like anything in life, balance is everything. And I speak from experience when I say an imbalance can significantly impact our romantic relationships. As I run my own business, I find myself constantly in my masculine, which like I said, is the doing mode. And sometimes it really wears on my nervous system. So, After a week of broken sleeps, after seeing what was going on in the Middle East, I realized that I basically needed to make a shift. I needed to step out of that constant doing mode associated with my masculine energy and embrace the being that comes with my feminine energy in order to take care of my nervous system. So I took a pause. I chose to honor the signals my body was sending me and last weekend... I allowed myself to just be without the pressure of always doing. So I hung out with friends. I chilled out with my partner, my dog, Harley. We went to the beach. We ate burgers, pizza, ice cream. Uh, We even went for a couple runs with our dog. And... My relationship with myself as well as with my partner really benefited from it. I went from being completely burned out and disconnected to feeling really relaxed and connected, which is why I wanna spend the rest of the app talking about how to heal our nervous systems in relationship. So to start, I'll describe how our nervous system actually works. Basically, our nervous system is our internal communication network. It is always registering the uh, subtleties of our environment and external events, interactions and even internal thoughts can send our nervous system into states of arousal or calm Things that might send uh, your nervous system into a state of arousal include things like arguing or uh, the sound of sirens or financial concerns or even heartbreak. Whereas things that might send your nervous system into a state of calm include things like a hug from a friend or partner or cuddles with a pet or hand-holding or even relaxing music or spending time outside in nature. And relationships really influence our nervous system too. But what a lot of people don't actually know is that our nervous systems function differently based on our attachment styles and attachment wounds. For example, When activated, an anxiously attached person might experience heightened states of alertness, while an avoidant might retreat and disconnect. And the reasons for these differences are actually super interesting. For example, when an anxiously attached person perceives a threat or feels unsafe, their nervous system often kicks into a state of arousal. And this heightened state manifests in increased alertness and sensitivity to nuances and changes in their partner's behavior and emotional state, leading them to misinterpret benign actions as signals of potential abandonment or rejection. So you want to think of things like not responding to a text immediately or missing a a bid for connection. Because of this, they might become overly preoccupied with seeking reassurance or closeness or validation. Things like asking if something is wrong or double texting or even calling numerous times in a row. And this can obviously become exhausting for them and their partner. Whereas individuals with an avoidant attachment style might exhibit a a freeze or flight response when in conflict. Basically, their nervous system prompts them to create emotional distance as a form of self-protection. So they may retreat or disconnect or even become dismissive when their system is activated. And I see this all the time, but this retreat or distancing can be misinterpreted by their partner as a lack of care or commitment. And often they will prefer to you know, sweep things under the rug rather than communicate their feelings or confront issues head on, which makes their partners feel things like neglected or unimportant or even resentful. And then you've got what we call disorganized or fearful avoidant attachment. And people with this attachment style exhibit a blend of both anxious and avoidant behaviors. And when their nervous system is activated, they might find themselves in a tumultuous state, you know, desiring closeness one moment and fearing it the next, and their reactions can be really unpredictable, swinging between a need for intimacy and then this urge to push their partner away, and the inconsistency in their behavior can be super confusing and even exhausting for their partner. You know, it leads to A relationship dynamic filled with volatility and unpredictability. You want to think of those hot, cold, push-pull dynamics. Whereas those with a secure attachment style generally possess better self-regulation skills. They can communicate their needs clearly and are adept at understanding and validating their partner's feelings. However, when faced with extreme stress, even they might momentarily resort to less adaptive coping mechanisms. And I think that this is a huge misconception, right? This idea that they are immune to nervous system activation. Sure, they tend to handle stress more adaptively, but miscommunications can 100% still occur, especially if their partner has a different attachment style. So the key lies in recognizing these differences and adapting our style of communication accordingly, depending on who we're in relationship with and what their attachment style is. And I literally get asked how to do this all the time. I think the first step has to do with self-regulation, which is the ability to soothe yourself when feeling activated in order to return to a state of balance. And examples of self-soothing include things like deep breathing or grounding exercises or even just spending time in nature or even screaming into a pillow, whatever works for you. But then there's another super important facet to this, which is co-regulation. And co-regulation basically refers to the shared process of returning to a state of equilibrium, but together Things like a silent hug after a fight or synchronizing your breath with your partners. It might also mean validating their feelings or simply listening without judgment. My partner and I have been doing box breathing together to help me regulate before I go to sleep. We've also been repeating mantras together like I am safe, I am loved. And these types of exercises can really help in rewiring certain maladaptive patterns or reactions. So imagine instead of a cycle where one partner's nervous system activation triggers the others, leading to things like arguments and disconnection, you have a cycle of co-regulation where one partner recognizes the other's activation and instead offers love, support, grounding and understanding. I know that people who are in relationships with partners who have a different attachment style to them, really struggle with co-regulation. For example, anxious avoidant dynamics or even two avoidance. An anxiously attached individual craves closeness and reassurance, often fearing abandonment, right? Whereas an avoidant person values independence and can be wary of getting too close, fearing a loss of self or identity, So when these two styles come together, it can feel like a a tug of war where one is constantly pulling in for closeness and the other is perpetually pushing away. So for example, imagine you're anxiously attached and your partner is avoidantly attached. When you sense any minor distance, you might bombard your partner with things like text in attempt to seek reassurance from them. And in turn, your partner might then feel overwhelmed and pull away further, reinforcing your fears of not being good enough or not being lovable or even being abandoned. And while this dynamic can be super challenging... It also provides an opportunity for self-awareness and growth because it's basically encouraging you to learn how to self-soothe as well as how to understand your triggers and communicate your needs without overwhelming your partner. On the other hand, your partner also gets this amazing opportunity to confront their fears of intimacy or you know, recognize their distancing strategies and maybe even practice being vulnerable and opening up to someone. Then there's what we call dual avoidance dynamics. And this is when there are two avoidantly attached individuals in a relationship. At first, it can seem like the ideal situation with both respecting each other's need for space. However, this mutual avoidance can then lead to what we call emotional stagnation, where neither partner truly opens up or seeks deep intimacy. And I see this a lot in session with clients who claim to never fight or can't understand why their partner broke up with them when there was literally never any sign that they were having issues to begin with. For example, imagine two people who are avoidantly attached uh, start dating. They might have a smooth relationship on the surface with minimal conflicts, but underneath there could be unspoken feelings or unaddressed issues and a lack of true emotional connection. Despite this, this relationship can actually act as a mirror, showing each partner their avoidant tendencies. And if they're willing to look within and do the work, they can then challenge each other to break their patterns, open up, and as a result, deepen their connection. The point being, while these attachment dynamics can definitely pose challenges, they also offer a chance to engage in co-regulation. It's about understanding not just our partner's triggers, but our own as well. And I think the key here is understanding and recognizing the role of the nervous system in these dynamics. Because by understanding how your nervous system reacts to conflict in your relationship, you can then develop better coping mechanisms and strategies to mitigate the negative impacts on your relationships. And this understanding really starts with self-awareness. Self-awareness means being able to identify when you're feeling activated or when you're feeling calm and when you're in a state of overdrive. It's about recognizing your own patterns, triggers, and responses. For example, if you're aware that certain situations or behaviors from your partner activate your nervous system and push you into an anxious or avoidant mode, you can then communicate this to your partner. This doesn't mean you're placing blame, but rather that you're opening up a dialogue about how certain dynamics affect you and how you both might work together to navigate them more effectively. For example, communicating that being left on red for an entire day sends your nervous system into overdrive or not receiving a good night message before bed. In my personal experience, discussing finances when I'm not in the right state of mind sends me into overdrive. My partner, for whatever reason, loves to message me during the workday about money-related topics. But if I'm already feeling overwhelmed or vulnerable, it can literally send me straight into a fight or flight response. I might find myself either retreating into a shell which is also called turtling or reacting defensively even if the situation doesn't necessarily warrant this type of reaction and at first my partner was super confused but after explaining why it's triggering to me we've now agreed on a boundary where we don't discuss money related topics during work hours so it's not about pointing fingers but rather about conveying our sensitivities so that we can better relate to our partners. And the more self-aware you are about your sensitivities, the more you can also take steps to self-soothe regulate your own nervous system. And the more we understand the uh, intricate interplay between our nervous system and our attachment styles, the more we can make informed decisions in our relationships. We can then choose partners who complement our attachment style, or we can work with our current partner to build a more secure bond. But I think it's important to mention that in order to reach this place of security, we first have to develop a secure relationship with ourselves. And once we do this, our external relationships then start to mirror that sense of security. This means understanding our own triggers, our values, our needs, and our boundaries, as well as practicing self-compassion, recognizing that we are human and therefore cannot be 100% happy and together 100% of the time. Then the idea is that when it comes to our romantic relationships, we try to create a sense of security together. This doesn't mean just seeking a partner who provides a sense of security, but also building that secure base for them. It's about things like mutual respect or open communication and, you know, a willingness to be vulnerable together. But in order to do this, we need to understand the nuances of our own attachment style and how our nervous system responds to, you know, everyday stresses. Because the more we do that, the more informed we are and the more empowered we become in our relationships. So I've spoken a lot about how at the start of the year, I was working seven days a week. I was so deeply entrenched in my masculine energy, constantly in a mode of doing. And as a result, my relationship really suffered. So because of this, I then made a conscious decision to reduce my work hours. And not only did my relationship really benefit, but so did my nervous system. So last week when my nervous system became dysregulated, I decided to mirror the same actions I took earlier this year by basically taking a step back to rebalance. And the reason I wanted to be so honest about this in today's episode is because it's moments like these that emphasize the importance of honoring our energetic needs. So as we wrap up this episode, I want to encourage you to reflect on your own nervous system and what it might be telling you. And if you're in a relationship, try to communicate with your partner about what's coming up for you as well as what type of support you need. Okay, that is it for me. Next week, I will be back with the Love Uncensored hotline. So please DM me with any questions, dating dilemmas or relationship woes you want answered.